You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Thank you for tuning in. This is Samantha Mello and my co-host, Ali Ingram. And we have the most pleasure and excitement to introduce our interview today, Brian David Muller, who has just released a new single called The Mountain Is You, which you can find on Spotify, as well as many other songs that he has written, produced himself. He is also the founder of a foundation called the Amy Muller Foundation, which he started after his wife had passed away from pancreatic cancer. Brian David Muller is also a father of three and gets to talk about his life and how he has navigated being a widow, raising three kids, as well as grieving and how to find passion and purpose in his own personal life. Brian writes songs about life, love, and personal growth. I believe that there are two types of songwriters, ones that can tell a story and ones that can make you feel it, and Brian has the ability to do both. As you listen to his songs, you'll be able to relate to each one in a special way, but you'll also be able to feel it. It's pretty amazing. Brian has this way of making everybody feel like a friend and like you've just known him forever. So please come along and listen to his story and how he's overcome obstacles and challenges and just how he takes on life with such purpose and vision. And you will leave feeling like you want to go make your mark on this world in some way or another too. So come feel inspired, come take something away. And as one of his songs say, what on earth are you on earth for? All right. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. We are here with Brian David. How would how do you say your last name? I, I kept saying Mueller, Mueller, Mueller. It's funny. It's Muller. Muller. Okay. Even my like English teacher in high school would be like Mueller. 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 No, it's Muller. Muller. Okay. You're an English teacher. Can't even. Okay, got it. Um. We have I you're on today as one of our special guests, and this is actually all of our first time meeting in person. Yeah. And um, I guess I'll just tell everybody how I came across your music, and you it was very random for me, but I was having a really tough day. Well, just a really tough day, and I don't know how, but your new single popped up, and your cover, you are the mountain. And I was like, I am the mountain. Like, it was like one of those things where I was like, this album is so right. Like it was just hit me hard. And I was like, I got to listen to something. And so I sat and I pulled it up and I was like, I, 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 I'm one of those, like I like to write. And what the way I write is I will focus on a word, like surrender. And that's something that I'll kind of dig into and why is this affecting me right now why is that hitting me and your usage and your verbiage is so impactful 
they had one of those moments where it was like, wow, like this is great. And every single song I listened to after that just had the same impact. And it was incredible because usually you listen to an album and you're like, well, that's a great song. And then you listen to the rest and you're like, ah, you know, it's all right. But it was a cool because I just was like, and this guy's right here in Minnesota. And why is he not, you know, we should be hearing that like, this is something we should be listening to every day because I'm a firm believer in like positive words and affirmations and what you tell yourself. And the more we bring it to attention, the more people realize like we're all struggling. And then I messaged you just randomly and I was like, we want to come on our podcast. (laughs) I cold messaged you. (laughs) And, um, and then when I got to chat with you and just get to tell you about my story and I didn't know your backstory at all. I didn't know about your foundation. I didn't research anything. And then getting to talk to you, it was so beautiful because I don't meet many people in similar situations as me. Right. And so to meet a fellow widow and who has kids and doing your passion and following life and it was really neat. So I'm really excited to have you here because I think it's well, a really crazy connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I. Uh, why don't you just like get into a little bit about yourself? You get yeah. So uh, I started my I, I joined a band a long, long time ago. I never knew I always wrote music. I wrote my first song when I was 15. My dad gave me a an acoustic guitar when I was 14. My mom was a piano player and an artist. And uh, so I grew up with a little bit of a musical background. My mom would always play songs, Christmas songs and whatnot, Christmas time on her piano and we'd all sing along. And <laughs> my, mom, my mom was diagno- diagnosed with ovarian cancer when I was basically 15. Okay. And back then, ovarian cancer was kind of like what pancreatic cancer is today, which which is what my, my wife had. Um, my dad came home from the hospital one night, and the doctor had told him that my mom may not see me graduate from high school. Mm. I was like, you know, as a 15-year-old kid, you're like, oh, oh right. my God. And I was a pretty sensitive kid. I thought a lot about life. I was the type of kid that would go down and watch the sunset and think about life, like, when I was yeah. 12. Wow. Um, probably a little too, you know, thoughtful sometimes about life and too deep. Um, But I wrote a song that day, and the song actually happened to be called that day. It was my first song I had written, and it was just about the day my dad told me that, that news. And uh, that pretty much started my journey as a songwriter. Uh, I really didn't know what I was doing. I, the way I learned how to play guitar was I ordered some cheesy DVD <laughs> online that I saw at like 2 in the morning, how to play guitar overnight. And uh, But I just had a knack for it right away. I had an interest in lyrics and poetry kind of stuff. And so I haven't really stopped writing since. Yeah. My mom actually beat ovarian cancer. She made it to your graduation? She made it to my graduation had a reoccurrence 10 years later and beat it again. She's still with us today. Oh, Which good. is awesome. Um, when I start to tell that story, everybody's like... We're all like, bracing ourselves. <laughs> Did she make it? Um, but she's still around today. And um, she's uh, a light in my life. And my dad's still around as well. They live in Arizona half the year and Minnesota oh. the other half. 
Um, but that started it. And, and since then, it's come in and out of my life when I've needed it. Yeah. And what's come out in the last year and a half with the Mountain Is You EP and the songs that are on there, it just came into my life again when I needed it. I was at this period of time uh, thinking about purpose and what I'm on earth to do. And one of the songs on the EP is a song called What on Earth. Uh, it's probably the most, uh, it's probably the favorite, most favorite song I've ever written and how it turned out with the gospel singers. And it was written because it was, I was at, decided to go to church one day and I don't go to church every Sunday. And the pastor's sermon was, what on earth are you on earth for? And it just hit me right away. I was with a friend of mine that I had brought to church that day. Uh, his name's Diesel. He was the one that produced one of the songs on the EP called What Will Your Moment Be? I liked that he one. He was the one that, that one did the rap. Um, yeah, I liked that part. Okay. And he was so, he was, he, he's, he's rapped on stuff of, in the past. Uh, he rapped on a song called Uptown Sideways in my days back. That's that was your favorite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we brought down our favorites. That's, that's a fun song. I you know, wrote that in 2006, and then we did a remake of it with a rap from Diesel on there. But I actually wrote the rap for Diesel for What Your, what Your Moment Be, and he, I sent it to him. And he, uh, it was kind of funny. He, he's like, I had to look up like three of these words. I didn't know what they, what they meant. I go, do you think he can rap it? He's like, yeah. So he, he laid down the rap. He produced the whole song. He does a good job. It feels very, like, um, passionate. Like, you know, rap can sound aggressive at yeah. times. Yeah. But it's very, like, peaceful and passionate. Right. Which is cool. It's just a really cool aspect to the song. Yeah, and he's he's such a... He's one of my favorite people on the planet. I mean, he's a gospel singer. He's a gospel preacher. He's a hip-hop producer. Uh, he started a foundation that uh, down in... He's, the, he's down south now, but he lived here for a while. Um, he's just doing some great things. That's super cool. He's trying to help people get off the street and get on the right path. There's this great project down down south. And uh, do you really like? I feel like you really become who you surround yourself with. No question. Yeah. They say what you become the average of the five people you hang around the most. Yeah. No and question. it's I think when you can like talk highly about people around you like that, it's pretty pretty cool place. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a it's been a fun journey. I like I, I we talked on the on the phone before I came down. Um, you know, I I had written probably forty songs after my wife died in yeah. two thousand seventeen, and most of them were for me. They right. Were, yeah. They were healing songs, and what started the recording again for me and getting back into the studio was a song that I wrote inspired by my son ladder to the sky oh that one had me in um, tears as yeah if you don't <laughs> if you don't cry after listening to just the first verse in the first right. chorus uh there's something wrong with you right, right. It's, when my son said that to me that he had a dream and he asked me that question if i what if i could build a ladder to the sky you know it just killed me floored me and uh like i was telling samantha i went into the bathroom and i cried and my kids were knocking on the door and asking me if I was okay. And yeah. I just collected myself, went downstairs, made the kids pancakes, got them off to school. And I literally sat down and wrote that song in about 20 minutes. Wow. Not a, not a lyric was changed. It just came out. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen very often. 
And I knew it was a special song when I wrote it. And I knew what eventually when I was in the right place to actually go in a studio and record it without bawling every word. Yeah. Um, that I How wanted to therapeutic in a way, though, too. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, well, and you can relate to that song even from your son's standpoint of, like, having to be on the side of your mom having right. cancer. Like, yeah. this is, like, a whole replay, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And what just there's just so much there, so much there. And then as a parent watching your kids go through that, yeah, yeah and trying to right. understand their little minds. I know you. You think about like here. Here he was. What was he? Six years old. At the yeah. Time? Wow. For him to think of that, and we don't give him enough credit sometimes. No. Yeah. And they're they're yeah. kids are really resilient. They're really smart. They're very intuitive. And we well, don't we don't understand that completely. Yeah, but they're not tainted the way the no, right. they are right. either yet. Exactly. You know, it's the the faith and just the joy that they can have in things is incredible. To and me. just the imagination, even of the dreams, probably that they can have that we don't anymore. Yeah, right. that's so good. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think kids they also say a lot of times that people that have passed on will visit children right. yeah. in their dreams mm-hmm. yeah and i have no doubt that that night there was something that happened there because he remember i remember him saying something about how he saw her yeah and uh in her camouflage because oh. she was in the military and, yeah um but it wasn't until last year where i finally decided to record again and that was the first song i recorded i love and that we used that song to raise money for uh, a program at their school called Growing Through Grief, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful program. It goes right into the schools, makes it comfortable for kids that have lost somebody. It could be they've lost a, a mom or dad, sister or brother, and it's through the Park Nicollet Foundation. Okay. It's this wonderful program, which I've become an ambassador for. And I just love what they're doing. This is a program that should be in every school yeah. across the United States. Absolutely. I know other states have programs like this, but this should be in every school and I think it's only in like 16 in, in yeah. Minnesota and Minnesota. Wisconsin. Okay. So we we used the song to raise money. We did an event that was centered around that. Kind of and you were uh, on WCCO, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you were they highlighted on that. story and Jace, yeah. was, Jace had his, his couple minutes of fame on uh, <laughs> my son. Cute. Uh, and it was so cute. He was he was so good. I didn't re- we didn't rehearse anything. He just yeah, out of the mouths of babes. Just <laughs> said some things that were just perfect. And uh, he was so proud that we were doing something good with that. And that gives a purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, because think of how hard it is for us to find our purpose as an adult. You don't even, right. I mean, we're just trained to go a certain way and not follow us. And so when you finally realize that, and you obviously lead by example, which is huge. Mm-hmm. But for your kids to see that in your kids, wow. Yeah. Like, they're so cool. proud. Yeah. I was, I mentioned in one of my things, like, I think one of the hardest things of not having the other parent is seeing these moments with your kid, right? And the only other person who can, like, look at your kid the way you look at them with that, you know, you just, it doesn't matter what they do. You're just proud and you can look at the parent and your guys are looking at your kid the same way. And that's a hard, as hard in those moments. They're so precious. But then you're like, I wish you could see this. I know you can see it. But I wish I could see you see that. Right. <laughs> like, I wish you were here. Yeah. But what that's so beautiful and what like a tribute to her too. Like 
Yeah. She's just going to stay alive so much through all the work you guys are doing. So cool. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, we talked about the foundation a little bit. I know we'll probably get into that a little bit more. Yeah. But, um, you know, keeping her legacy alive uh, has been something that's been important to me and, and her family as well. Um, her story is is still being written about. I still get called to do an interview uh, about her sounding the alarms about burn pits and the harmful effects that these burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan had. And um, we'll get probably a little bit into that later, maybe. But yeah, or we, we, we can, can do it now. We, we can do it now. Yeah, um, dig right in. I was at uh, about a month after my my wife passed away. Passed away a little less than a year after diagnosis. She had pancreatic cancer, but during her fight with pancreatic cancer, she voiced her opinion that maybe the burn pits in Iraq, because she was stationed in Balad okay. in the early 2000s um, and 2005 and 2007, and that base had the biggest burn pit out of any base mm-hmm. in in Iraq. Well, they would throw everything into these burn pits. They were right by the bases. Anything like medical waste, uh, parts from Hummers that got blown up, people that have died, anything you possibly could could think about that you shouldn't burn, and then they'd ignite it with jet fuel, and it would burn all the time. Oh, they would have to. I found an old journal uh, that she had written to her her daughter, my stepdaughter, Caden. About her talking about the burn pits, and they'd have to change the filter. Imagine how many times you change your filter in your house. Once Sometimes you forget. <laughs> yeah. like, and you, and then you go down and change it like after and three months, like and you're an like, animal. "Whoa, it's like a wow, I've been breathing animal. this." They I'm would change. They would literally change these things every couple days. Oh wow! And they were filled with like black soup every two days. So these, and they had, they gave them gas masks that they could use under their cots. What are they going to do, sleep with a gas mask on? Right. right. So every day, these, all these vets, a lot of these vets, seven to ten years later, after they came back from Iraq and Afghanistan, they, a lot of them were getting sick, getting weird cancers. My wife was 36 years old and had pancreatic cancer. It didn't make sense. Yeah. So she voiced her opinion about it, and she was written about in the Star Tribune. It was one of the first articles written on burn pits. And it was talking about comparing burn pits to Asian Orange in Vietnam. Yeah. Same situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these vets are getting sick and weird cancers. So her life became not just about fighting for her life, but also during her fight to try to beat pancreatic cancer, she was fighting, fighting for this people. new fight, yeah. um, which we continued on. And that was why I started the Leaning Mode. Originally was to keep that awareness going, mm-hmm. and when President Biden just did his um, speech to the United States, his address to the nation. If you had a chance to watch that, he brought up the burn pits. I saw that. Yeah. And if I think without my wife's story uh, and many others after her. I don't think that would have ever happened. The fact that over the last five years, all this awareness, I've worked with Senator Klobuchar with our foundation, um, 
to raise awareness mm -hmm. and to continue to kind of poke the bear. Bring attention to right. it. Bring, bring it to light. To it. Bring it to light. And now people right. know what a burn pit is. Most right. people do. Um, not everyone, but it's it's common knowledge that what we did was wrong. Yeah. Um, they should have spent money and sent incinerators out there and done it the right way, but they cut corners and now we're paying for it. Right. Yeah. Our vets are, are sick mm -hmm. and they're not getting the help they Well, I think they, I even so read too, it was that since 2017, over 165,000 veterans and service members have completed and submitted their... They've submitted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a crazy amount of, 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 of people and what needs to happen is just like Agent Orange, like my dad was in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. If you were in Vietnam and you have prostate cancer, you get covered. Yeah. So that's what needs to, where we need to get, we've made some progress. There are uh, some major things that happened just in the last couple months. But eventually what I'd like to see happen is if, if you were in Iraq during this period of time or Afghanistan during this period of time and you have any type of cancer, yeah. respiratory disease, anything, you don't have to prove right. the link. That it's just... Well, and even to help these veterans go get checked and to be on the lookout and to be aware that this is something that could be happening. Exactly. Or, you yeah. know, and you could hopefully prevent it from more of a beginning state right. than later on, too. Yeah, and it's uh, it comes down to... You know, some of these, these veterans, uh, like my wife, might get a cancer that is, there's not a lot of hope. Right. But at least take care of the families. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that we helped over 21 families with the foundation. Wow. Wow. Just pancreatic cancer. They were a veteran and they served our country and they had pancreatic cancer. We're going to help them. Uh, we did what we could. It wasn't a lot of. A lot of financial help, but it was something to relieve the stress a little bit. But all 21 of those families that we helped, none of them survived. And that yeah. was the tough part about it because there's only a 4% survival yeah. rate. But we helped the family, Easton Burden, gave them some good information to hopefully get them in the registry and, and when and if, which I, I hope it's just when, right. uh, the government steps up. Mm -hmm that their families will be well not only that helped. yeah but you've also created a outlet for all of these families who have suffered great loss right and i mean assuming they're all probably pretty around the same age young and you know to meet other people who have similar stories obviously you don't wish that upon your worst enemy but when you get to meet those people it it's nice. It's nice for the kids to understand. It's nice to talk about it. Not that you always want to talk about it, but when yeah. people just understand, it's great. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of neat too to create that little family almost aspect because I'm sure there's not a lot of you. Right. But I'm sure there's a lot more than people realize too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there was a, a general that we had helped um, and his story also went on to national news okay. and the fact that a general was voicing his opinion that mm -hmm. the burn pits maybe were a cause of his right. pancreatic cancer. Um, so it was a, a lot of great things have come out of 
you know, the foundations work as well as this, our center here, as well as other centers of different, uh, different states here in the United States. Um, and it's, it's something that I can, I can hang on to. Like mm. her, her life meant something, but her, her death sparked something that has created change and that's mm -hmm. uh that's huge that is huge and i love the that, fact you can that they're sit still here talking about that. it yeah exactly mm -hmm. well and it says a lot about who amy was right. i mean here she gets this diagnosis and i think a lot of people would probably be like i just want to spend time with my family and i mean she not only took that and the whole life-changing experience but went and was like no this isn't I'm not accepting this. Right. I mean, hell yeah, you go girl. Like, yeah. that's awesome. You know, and to go fight for other people when you don't have much to fight, you know, you yeah. don't have a lot of strength. And, but I'm sure that probably kept her alive too, probably longer. Yeah, I look back at how public this whole fight was. You know, most people, they fight cancer. You know, some people on Facebook might know about it. And, but her story was, you know, right away in the news. Yeah. Her funeral was, there was three different news channels there. The Star Tribune was there taking pictures. There, it, literally, her funeral was on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah. And then everything after was so public. And I look back at that and, and sometimes wish that it, it could have been more private. More intimate, yeah. right. But at the same time, if, if it wasn't brought out and her story wasn't in the paper like that, possibly wouldn't have sparked right. and got the interest of Senator Klobuchar and some of the other people that got involved. So it happened the way it happened because yeah. that's the way it was supposed to happen. And without it happening that way. Yeah. How do you feel like that's like affected your grieving and like how you, do you feel like you were just really numb for a while and just kind of like, yeah, place definitely. Or, I mean, like when everything slowed down or did it ever slow down or it slowed down, but it was, I was doing a lot of interviews. Um, the story was, was out there quite a bit for a couple of years. And it, like I said, I still get calls for interviews from time to time. I think it, it forced you to grieve more. Yeah, because you're talking about you're it. You're talking yeah. about it. I did everything I possibly could to. You can't speed up grief, but no. you you can you can slow it down yeah. if you don't do the things you should do, like therapy, mm -hmm. like journaling, like songwriting, whatever it is you need to deal with it Head instead on. of sweeping it under the rug. Right. Um, I did everything I could to make sure that I was built myself into a stronger person and became more resilient for my kids um, yeah. to try to create joy in my kids lives right. um, and so I did a lot of reading about grief about loss about resilience I journaled every day I did EMDR therapy for trauma did you like that so I it's, it's weird <laughs> at first yeah. but it works so I have been looking into that probably for the last year, I would say. And I'm like, it's time. Like, it's time to do it, but I just haven't done it yet. But I haven't met anybody who's done it, really. So Yeah, um, it, it's, it's something it's light I... therapy. You right? can do it. I guess you can do it over Zoom. Um, okay. I don't know how, but yeah. you can. Um, it is a interesting process, the way they do it. But it basically, uh, the, the, the way it... it it, it works is it gets 
all those really strong things that are in the forefront of your mind that are causing stress in your life. It takes them from the front somehow and it puts them in the back. Okay. That's the easiest way I, I yeah, can explain right. EMDR yeah. therapy. Yeah. You know, those little things that were haunting me. We spent three weeks in the hospital at the Mayo Clinic and I was in her room every night sleeping yeah. on a cot. Just like the sound of the machine mm. pumping drugs into her. Uh, all those little things that just were like constant. Yeah. That I just knew I needed to, to get some you. more intense therapy. Yeah. With. And that that really helped me um, get focused on what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to figure out how I was going to do all this alone. But I think you, you just never underestimate, underestimate your ability to figure things out, right? Yeah, it's I think true. about, like, my dad always says, I don't know why you haven't gotten a nanny. You need a nanny. You need somebody <laughs> to help you. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And I have. Would have it would have been nice to have a nanny, but I didn't want to bring somebody, somebody into their into life. That. Yeah. That might not be around. Yeah. So Well, and two, it's a new role for you. This is unfortunately the role that you have to take on. Unfortunately it's the role I had to take on. You have to take on mom and dad. That's it. You yeah. know, it is what it is. And you have to learn how to take on the other role. Like it's part of learning it. And it's hard some days. It is. Like my daughter's a total tomboy. And I am, I, I am too. Like, she'll go with her husband fishing, and she wants to do all that. And I'm like, I'm not taking you fishing. I'm sorry. You know, like, <laughs> I'll go play love sports. Fishing and I have zero to offer. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll go play sports. I'll go do all the things. But it's like, it just shows you sometimes genetics are so strong, yeah. you know? And it's right. just like, it's funny. It but um, she was very little, so she doesn't have any memory of him, which is different, you know, only what we share with her. Right. But my, my son dies, though. He, you know, and that was, he was like a stepfather to him. But, yeah, for her, she doesn't have any of those, you know. So That's nature versus nurture. It, so. it is, mm-hmm. very much. But she talks about him, so I know she sees him all the time. And he sends the kids pennies. They get pennies. And it's like for every, it's just funny. They, they're always these bright, shiny-ass pennies heads up yeah. in a random spot. One. <laughs> he gives all my, yeah, and it is. It's funny. Everybody knows. And you think, oh, you could find a penny anywhere. And um, you don't. These yeah. are always in. It's like if I were to pick this up and there was like a penny right under there. And you're like, I know that there was not a penny under there mm-hmm. when we put that I up. sat on one in the chair in the lobby of yeah. our hotel in NOLA. Like, oh. And it was like a chair for you. Yes. It was like this grand, beautiful chair. Nobody's in the hotel. Like we got home way too late. But yeah, there's her bright, shiny ass party in the middle. And I started laughing, you know, but it's cool when you see those signs. Yeah. Do you guys like, is it birds or rainbows or butterflies? You know, or? Um, they're, they're all, the, the biggest thing that we talked about, because my wife was in the Air Force, so we yeah. always talked about like whenever we see an eagle, we're going to think yeah. of her. So yeah. that's just, that's our thing. So yeah, we see an sure. eagle. We used to play this game because I'm a big nerd. And I'd be like, if you died and came back, what would you come back as? Yeah. You know, and his was always a bald eagle. And I was like, well, I'm going to be like a cougar. Badass. So I'm like, if you see a cougar in your front yard, you better like, <laughs> I go, don't call the cops. It's just me, you know. <laughs> but bald eagles, there's something very spiritual and pretty cool. And when you do see those, it's not all the time. So you know. Like, yeah. You know. You know. Frequent. And that's neat about that. Yeah. It's not like a crow or, you know. Something, right. But. Right. Yeah. 
Well, awesome. And so I guess like my question for you is like how, you know, you've kind of like woven your way through life and, you know, how far are you out from her passing now? Uh, it was the five-year mark on February 18th. So. And what was that like for you, like hitting five five years? Um, you know, first of all, you go, wow, five, what? what? What happened here? Right, you know, definitely. Five years went by. Um, I don't look at it as, you know, a specific whether it's uh, five years or 10 years or decades, it's grief comes in waves. They, they say that, but it's so yeah. true. Um, I, mean, I always have a tough time around her birthdays, around my birthdays, around Christmas. Yeah. So the, the, do you feel like your body feels it coming before that date? Like I always feel like my body knows like there's probably about a month. That's about the month before. And whether you're thinking about it or not, it's like your body already knows. It's already going through stuff. And so when that date hits, it doesn't really, it's not like an emotional day per se, but it's all that time leading up to it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And it's weird because you don't even think about it. Like I would look and I'd be like, oh, this was 14 days. And I can tell you what I was doing 14 days before. Or I don't know, like you just randomly and all of a sudden you're like, why am I so agitated today? Or, what's going on and then all of a sudden you remember but it's so weird your body feels it it feels it it's like it knows every time yeah it's so weird the body is a pretty amazing thing it is for sure very intuitive yeah, yeah. no i definitely feel it um feel it coming yeah you know, and uh usually it inspires you know some journaling or writing yeah and, and we were talking about yeah. like, some of the songs i'm going to be releasing later in the year are, are about grief and loss and Kind of put those ones aside. Um, people listen to music for different reasons. Yeah, right? I... You guys connected with some of my stuff because there's messages in there. But not everybody wants to listen to sad music or yes. music that makes them think too much. Yes. Um, most people listen to music to escape, right? Yes. Right. Um, that's why there's a lot of people that love country music because mm -hmm. it makes you feel good. It's all in major keys. Yeah, there's the sad country songs that they everybody jokes about. But right. It's uh, I, I sometimes feel like my music is a little too deep, but that's what it is. That's what that's I'm putting it out yeah. there. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to write a hit song. Yeah. I just write what I feel and hopefully feel what I write. And if I if I have a feeling, then I go record it. The I really enjoyed the uh, description on Spotify. And it says, uh, you know, Brian writes songs about life, love, and personal growth. There are two types of singer-songwriters, ones that tell a story and ones that make you feel it. And you definitely do both. You do. Like, and I just, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that, like, nails it for sure. It's good. But I like it because it's different. People, you know, like, although I think people don't want to deal with some of that, I think after COVID and there's just so much loss going on, I can tell you like suicide rates are jumping, yeah. um, sickness, hope. you know, all of these things. And um, we have no choice but to talk about it, but to deal with it because it's growing rapidly. And even kids, like they just had a story about a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, yeah, yeah, who took his own life. Like it's incredibly sad. And by nobody's getting out of life without some kind of traumatic event to them and 
no matter what it compares to to somebody else, your feelings are valid and your feelings are real. And what is so universal about your lyrics is even though it talks about grief, it's not just a story. It's not one story. It's not whatever. It's just those feelings you can feel in a lot of different types of ways. Yeah. You know, even going through divorces or losing friends or all sorts of things, they're very valid feelings in a lot of different ways. And I think it's so cool. So, I mean, but... I, to me, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how you can take yourself to that place all the time. Like that to me seems like it would be yeah, that's uh, really hard. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the tough thing about songwriting is you are putting yourself in that place. And, you know, when I record a song, um, I'm not listening to it five times. I have to listen to it yeah. 50 times, right. sometimes 100 times. Yeah before we finalize it and yep. put it out there to the world. Yeah. So by the time it gets in your ears, you're done I'm, with it. I'm sick of the song. <laughs> and if I'm not sick about it, it's probably a good song. Right. Um, you know, without, you know, you mentioned how it's universal. I was, I took my kids to the Imagine Dragons concert um, just a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So fun. And my kids, my especially my daughter Emmy Lou, she's eight years old. She loves singing their songs, and one of their songs is about him losing his really good friend. It's a song about grief, and he pulled the audience. He said, "How many of you have lost somebody in the last five years?" And then the lights kind of went on around and shined on the audience, and almost every person had their hand up, right? Oh. Whether they lost somebody to COVID, to cancer, or something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a universal thing. And yeah. there's, there hasn't really, when you look at, there really hasn't been that many songs written about grief. No. Yeah. Not that you would know it was about right. grief. Right. Um, there's a beautiful song by Patrick Droney um, called Glitter. <gasps> yes. Never grief heard is that song, like glitter. Oh, it's I, just like. I do, I just, I have Every time I hear that song, I'm like. I wish I wrote that it's song. It's so God, good. Now I need to listen to it. Yeah. Exactly oh, and it's what it's just, like, it's, right? it's like, you know, when you get glitter, you can't wipe it off. It's yeah. true. It's it doesn't go away. So, and it's so you good. It. And yes. And it's just always there. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, that's a great song. Yeah. Yes. And that's a good way to describe it. it. You yeah. know, when I was talking, I think I told you, like, talking to people. You know, I love to talk about my story and I love to talk about it and I might get emotional and I say that, like I might get emotional about it, but just know like it's not to make you feel uncomfortable because I know it's hard to take some people on emotions and I was like that very much. And um, it's like just, it's all the love that I I haven't gotten to give. It's all the love that's still there for him and for us and those memories that you, or not the memories, I would say the dreams that you had for your family and what your future looked like and that is no longer there and so when I get to talk about him or talk about my story and talk about grief um, and mine was a very traumatic event you know it can definitely bring up those emotions but it's just really a lot of love you know yeah. and it's a lot of those dreams and but I loved that song it was so it was just so good it's yeah. so good but I'm sure you know it kind of probably came down to like you and your son and I, we had Matt's birthday. We did a balloon release. And his son, I wanted to give him a bike. <laughs> so and he's like, you know, because we were going to put everything. He's like, do you think we could put a bike to one of the balloons and we can send a bike up to dad? And, 
you know, and it was just like, it really became a way for him and how he could communicate to right. dad was just send things up there. Mm -hmm. And we were like, I really wish we could send a bike, but like, maybe we draw a bike on the room, but it's just the way their minds work yeah. and how that is, is. But you hear those phrases and it's like, yeah, we can send a bike up there. We'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, like the we, We've had some of the balloon releases in the past too. We even like when we were in Mexico with her mom, my mom, I took her mom and my mom on a trip with my stepdaughter Kate. That's so cool. And we all went on this trip. It was about a year after Amy had passed away. And we tried to do one of those, you know, those lantern, lantern ones. Oh, yeah. Epic fail. I mean, we all, they were all burning yeah. in the air. And like, well, sorry, hon, we tried, you know, like. I've it's been true. there. Like, you, I, we, we would laugh because we would do it and like, you know, one balloon would just go that way. It's just so random. And you're like, you couldn't even plan this. Never no like wind, on know, or... Disney movies where they're all illuminated no, no. in the sky. It like, certainly wasn't a magical moment. Uh, yeah. It's just a big explosion. It hits a bird and like, oh God, that's so funny. We tried. Yeah. It was a thought that counts. I think there is something too though about getting to like, um, I don't know just kind of write those I'm a writer though I like to write like that and that was a huge turning point when I finally started putting pen to paper and um, sometimes you just you're feeling but I don't know what I'm feeling or why or I looked at what's at hand but I know it has nothing to do with what's at hand usually right. it's something else and what's so interesting is as you start writing and going and, um, and what comes out <laughs> you're like oh I had no idea that that was festering in there, I guess you could say, right. or, you know, and um, just when I feel like I'm like, oh, I've kind of leaped over this hurdle and I've got some smooth stride. It's like, nope, here's another thing. And two steps forward, yeah. two steps back. I've learned you just, you're never going to complete the race. Like it's just forever. Like it's yeah. never, you're never going to complete it. And I think once I figured that out, it was a huge turning point in my grief and journey. And also, like, taking care of myself yeah. and mind, body, spirit. But, yeah, well, I just really enjoyed getting to know you and hear your yeah. story. It's pretty incredible. Like, Thank super you. impactful. Thank you. Yeah. And it sounds like you got the band back together and you have a show yeah, coming I mean, up. <laughs> so, you know, the band never really broke up. Okay. We just, we faded away. You grew up. Because we all started having kids. Right. Yeah. And by, I think... Each of us now has two two children each, okay. and when that happened, I was the one doing all the booking. Yeah. And we just it was impossible even to get a rehearsal done or try to line just up a do show. Do like a Montreal family, bring all the kids. And... Yeah. We have the show coming up at KG's uh, Hideaway April first, and we have not we've yet to rehearse. I yeah. don't know if we'll even get a rehearsal in. <laughs> we might just go up there and just have fun. Pretend like yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> We Welcome to our life. Everybody's drunk it's enough. It's like riding a bike, you know, drunk there and sing some songs. Um, so, yeah, the band will will play maybe two or three shows here or there cool. in a year. I'll do some solo acoustic shows. I'm playing Mike's Tav in St. Paul okay. on April 22nd. But you know, it's it maybe once or tw twice a month I might play a show, but mostly I'm focusing on just being a dad and yeah. writing songs with my kids and having fun and doing, doing fun things with them. Mm -hmm. But I, I could use a life. <laughs> Being a dad is, is very uh, very nice and fun and 
rewarding and rewarding all those things but I think we all could use a little bit more life I agree. after what's happened yeah um, just go see some friends go out to lunch with a good right. friend and just get connect. to be you and yeah. out of that one role get to like I hey I am kind of funny like <laughs> right I I forgot I can do forgot some fun stuff funny. yeah like it's funny yeah exactly it's nice to remember those things you're like what I my dad jokes are funny to other people. Right, right. Yeah. Even though my kids look at me like I'm crazy, but. <laughs> exactly. My son, really, Mom? I thought that was good. Yeah. Just get back to just finding joy. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the most impactful things I did during my grief, but also whenever I am not feeling joy and happiness in my life, which happens. I mean, I had a lot of that last year, even though I was. Yeah putting out songs again and following my passion for music, I still was kind of in the dumps from time to time. But the one thing that helped me the most was was journaling your three moments of joy from Ooh. the previous day. When my business up, coach just told me this. Anyways, yes, keep you going. you wake yes. up in the morning and you write down the three things that brought you joy from the previous day. And what ends up happening, if you do this every day, is your mind starts looking for joy, mm. for joyful moments. And if it doesn't find it, you create it. Right. So you have something to write about the next mm -hmm. day. And it ends up kind of building on itself. And eventually, you feel joy and yeah. you feel happiness. And you like, each day goes by and you're like, God, that was, you had some great little moments mm -hmm. of joy that you created. It's kind of like yeah. the power plant doesn't have energy. Right. It creates it. You got to create joy. It doesn't just happen. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that helped me a lot. And whenever I'm in a funk or I'm just not, super like pumped up and happy about life or something's going on i go back to that one it's so easy to be like just don't think that negative thought or just think positive it's not easy it's not that it's easy. Not easy i who do i follow i can't think of his name right now but he goes into great detail about it's very similar it's like you, if you tell somebody to not think about monkeys, what do you think you're going to think about? Yeah. Be thinking about monkeys. The pink right? elephant. Like that's exactly. where you're you're just going to be focused. Yeah, and he, you know, but just learning a technique that works for you mm -hmm. and f changing that focus and acknowledging like, hey, I'm just thinking about monkeys. That's right. what's happening right exactly. now. Exactly. Right. All right, so I'm here. I'm thinking about it. Now what? All right. Cool. I felt it. We're good. But now you have to take those steps forward. Yeah. I would say like it's those small. I always tell people, like, it's so much easier than you think it is. Like, it's so much more simple. It's the tiny little changes like that, writing three things down in the morning. Or for me to get out of my funk, it was like, I'm just going to shower today. Like, I need to shower today. I'm going to get clothes on. <laughs> I'm going to change my shows up. I brush my teeth. Maybe go yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like, Maybe I probably didn't people. brush my Maybe teeth. I probably, it was like, I'm going to shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to get my kids to school, and that's what my goal is today. Because that was all I could do that day. Like, I couldn't do anything else. And I tried, and I wanted to, but I couldn't, you know? And so it's like, but all of a sudden, that shower, you feel a little bit better. You know, and the next day, like, all right, what can I do today? I'm like, I'm gonna brush my teeth today. Like that's what's gonna happen, you know? And then it's like, it builds up on itself and it's amazing when you see, all of a sudden you look three months back and you're like, whoa, like this feels good. Yeah. Progression feels good. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, that the expression, you're either going through something or you're growing through something. Yeah, and some people, that's so good. Some people, their whole lives are going through something. Mm-hmm. They're always, yeah, they feel like they're, something bad's happening to them, or they're yeah. always the victim. And, you know, you can... That's going to continue to happen. Yeah, most people, they live their whole life like that, mm-hmm. and you have to grow. You can't, you know, growing is not something that you can do all the time and right. you're, you yeah. just have to but yeah. you have to make an effort to to grow personally and become more resilient yeah do you have any events coming up for your foundation we don't you know obviously with covid we we used right. to do an acoustic showcase every year in may uh, where we'd raise money for the foundation it would be my band and i'd get two or three local artists to volunteer their time and we'd raise some money that way okay uh, a couple years in a row, we did a family fun day thing mm. at the Mall of America, um, but we haven't. Um, part of the problem right now is we can't find anybody to help. Yeah. We have money still that's sitting there that okay. we'd like to help, but I have to go actively find people because right. we have it narrowed down yeah. to pancreatic cancer and mm-hmm. being a veteran. So uh, I would like to start doing events again. Yeah. Um, and maybe... We might try to throw something together for May. Would you like to put anything out to our listeners that if, if like they feel the need to or they connect with your story or that situation and they yeah. want to help, is there somewhere they yeah, can go so, to do that? You know, you can donate to the, the foundation just by going to amymullerfoundation.org. And Amy's name is spelled yep. differently. It's A-M-I-E. Um, you can donate right on the site. So if you wanted to donate $25 or $50 to the foundation, it's a tax-free write-off. Um, but we, we also uh, are trying to continue to raise awareness and be a part of this this change that's being created that's to true. help veterans in the future. So yeah. that's part of the mission of the, the foundation. But with COVID, it's been a little difficult yeah, for any yeah. type Navigating. of nonprofit that yeah. has relied on events to raise money. but. It's time to start focusing on that again. And then how can our listeners support your music and you? Well, I mean, obviously Spotify is a great place to listen to music. Just <laughs> just so you know, 10,000 downloads or 10,000 streams only makes me $4. But <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I don't okay. do it for the music. But you know, Spotify is a great place to listen to music. Uh, if you're Apple user, Apple, all my stuff's on Apple as well. Um, but yeah, listen to it, share it. For me, it's about sharing it. You know, yeah. just share it with a friend. If a song connects with you, share it with a friend that you think needs a message, to hear, yeah. needs to needs to listen to mm-hmm. something. Um, you know, the the whether it's ten thousand streams a song gets or a million streams, it doesn't matter. It's what if I get a message right. or two or three messages from somebody on Facebook or social media or wherever that connected with a song and they tell me what it did for them. Mm. That's more than what part of what got me a little down last year was I was, I was tying all this new music I was putting out to an outcome. Right. I was expecting this is the best music I've ever yes. put out. It's got a great message that it should have hundreds of thousands of streams. And you know, some of the songs had four or 5,000 streams and it felt mm. great, but better than anything I've had in the past and but I was thinking in my head oh it's got to get I have to get more and I have to get more and and you can't tie something 
all your happiness on an outcome. No. It's the process, yeah. right? It's the process. Because then I you enjoy don't get the process to be, of writing right, creative anymore. So the stuff I'm going to be putting out the rest of the year, we're going to use to raise money for the Growing Through Grief program again. Have two I songs about that. grief and one song about grief. How I would love to get involved in that, the Growing Through Grief. How can we get involved, like me and my kids, to do that too? Well, you could ask your school. Okay. Um, to, uh, tell the, tell your tell school, the school about, about the Growing Through Grief program, and tell them to look into it. Um, they do. They will. They're going to start doing events again. I'm sure to raise awareness. Um, but the biggest thing would be to, you know, every school has, and there's, I think there's 14 kids in my kids growing through grief yeah. program, um, and this is an elementary school. Wow. So, it's well needed, um, or donate to the yeah, growing through grief right. program. They need, they need more financial support to be able to extend that. it and right. get it into other schools. So it's a great organization, and, and I, I hope that they continue to expand and by five years from now, it's in every school. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, it was, I don't know, I feel like it can be intimidating for kids, you know, but I think when you learn oh, that there's a lot more people around you than you realize, yeah. like, um, it's always funny, like, when I have my son and his friends in the car and start asking questions like you know do you live with mom do you live with your dad or whatever and then my son's like wait I didn't know that or you have something you know and it's like do you guys not talk no <laughs> they do don't have, like a conversation <laughs> like, like a dance and yeah make you know but yeah. I think that there's so many things that they don't realize about each other that they could probably all really connect on and have no idea it's it's funny how that works but well um is there any I would say like advice or something you would like to leave our listeners on like a little Brian note <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, uh, one of the quotes that I always think about um, when I was trying to discover what my true purpose is right because we're all, if you type in finding your purpose in a Google search it's it's crazy <laughs> how many I believe it <laughs> like people have written about it right but a, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who died about yeah. four or five years ago, he's written a lot of great books. A book him. called Power of Intentions was the most impactful one. But one of the things, one of the quotes he said was, purpose is not something you find. It's something you are. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your purpose is to be who you are. Yeah. And to bring to the world your gifts. Yeah. And that's your purpose. Yeah. You don't have to go... You, you might not have one purpose. Right. You might have all kinds of purposes in your life, but your purpose is to, is to leave an impact in some way by just being who you are. Right. It's not that's finding right. that career or finding this career or doing this or doing that. It's just being who you are. Mm -hmm. Loving yourself. Yeah. Loving who God made you to be. And that's beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed having you on. Yeah. Thanks thank for having you. me. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted, Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted. Twisted.